Well, good morning, good day, good evening. My name is Jill, and these are my journals out loud. Touching the microphone, sorry. Uh, it is, I'm recording this Friday, I believe it's October 27th. That date has a meaning right now, and I can't remember what it was or is, but it's 2023 as we're inching with record speeds towards 2024, which was probably going to be even more exciting than this year. So I'm going to take a deep breath with you, and I want to launch into something that is so important and so simple. I'm going to try really hard to make this a very short podcast in the sense that I just want this one idea to sink in in any way that it can and allow you to think about it. Awesome if you journaled about it, but more importantly, if you started applying it to what you're seeing and hearing and feeling in terms of the escalations of what's going on out in the world. And what I want to talk to you about is not specific to my whole wire for danger filter. This is for all of us. How we respond to this energy is either fight, flight, freeze, because because it's not mostly an imminent danger. We may have one of any of the three or combined responses. But I don't think anybody right now can miss what's happening with the amount of hate, vitriol, rage, fury, anger, injustice, uh, and picking sides, division. So you know, there's a spiritual principle. They say everything is love or fear. And it's like, la, 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 right? That doesn't mean anything in the real world. And from fear, you know, comes anger. And from anger comes hate. And as I was listening to more opining on the massive amounts of hate, they were playing some clips of people who were in fury and hate mode. And when that rage erupts, it's all push energy. And I get a knot in my stomach because one, I don't hate in that way. Uh, and two, I don't think it is productive. I don't want to feel hate. And I don't agree with the hate because what's underneath that hate is this powerful need to be right. I am right and you are wrong. And I read Naomi Wolf's article, a, a substat. I don't know if I'll be able to get it linked up into my post. In the car, on the phone right now. So she did a really interesting thing because she is Jewish. And she spent quite a bit of her childhood on and off living in Israel. But she also uh, took on a college project in which she went over to Palestine. And she was comparing the artwork of children and the Israeli children had a fantasy version of peace. Uh, the Palestinian children had imagery of war. But neither culture was learning anything about the other except the installation of hate. And hate comes from not knowing the enemy. And that creates fear. And the fear is because I don't know you and adults are telling me you're bad. Uh, I'm going to be afraid of you. And, you know, I've been talking about this push-pull energy because it's not 
an analytical. It's not uh, intellectual. It's very visceral. It's very physically felt in the body, unless you're super split off, you know, left brain or disassociative state or psychotic, you know, there's ways to cut ourselves off from feeling the energy within us, but we're still acting on it. And the massive difference that she was trying to communicate is there's a big difference between seeking to understand versus deciding who is right. Now, a lot of people will tell you discernment is the ability to discern who is right and who is wrong. I would disagree with that, but that's not this conversation. This conversation is hate. And what do we do with it? Because when it comes at us, whether, uh, you know, we don't look right, whether we say the wrong thing, uh, whether we disagree, if we speak up, if you are one and the group of hate is two or more, you are in danger. You could die for expressing your opinion, for having a disagreement, because that push is more than one person can repel and push back unless you have an army. And it becomes two forces, right? Hate meeting hate. That's war. I hate you. I hate you. We'll kill each other and decide whoever wins is right or gets to be right because we've won regardless of the content of the war or the reason for the war. But if we step back and we think, push, push, you will never resolve hate with two extreme forces pushing at each other. You might have one that crushes and defeats the other, but you will never have resolution in terms of agreement, understanding, and peace. So if we think about that one-on-one, right, if somebody bullies us into submission, we may comply, but we're not, we're still hating, we're still angry, we're still afraid. So we've we've sub, we've pushed it down within us but we haven't resolved it and then you know generations later you have the the group who pushed to win you know commit or talking about how awesome they are and look at you know the great whatever xyz we've created but that old energy is still there you know we have generational issues not just personal issues not just global issues it will never resolve and you know so there's The seeking to understand until that becomes more important than needing to be right, it will never resolve. And I don't think we'll ever get there. I think the best we can do is make peace with it ourselves. So the therapeutic technique, and I had to learn this as a social worker, and boy, was it hard to do. I realized I just dived into heavy stuff. If you're new, well, welcome to my world. So uh, so the therapeutic technique is if somebody's screaming, pushing, hating, angry, uh, and the energy is just overwhelming you, and there's nothing you can say that will match that physical energetic force that you feel, right? It's like somebody sticking their finger in their eye and saying, ah, ah, right? The only thing you can do in that moment is agree with them. And the example is taking all the wind out of the sail. So you are wrong, you are wrong, you are wrong. And if you say to the person yelling at you, you're right, I'm wrong. Then they don't have anywhere to go. And then you can start some version of a conversation. You can't really do that, though, with two massive opposing forces. And 
when it escalates to two groups, two gangs, two countries, two armies, uh, you can't really have one just go, okay, you're right, because the the issue is too big. But at a one-on-one level, sometimes you can defuse by just saying, you know, you're absolutely right. Because what happens with push-push is we stop listening. We don't want to understand. We want to be right. And, you know, for all of you who like to say, well, it just needs to be simple, logical, and reasonable, that's never going to happen. Everything is emotional, whether you want to believe that or not. And so you will never deal with excessive push energy, whether it's push love or push hate with logic and reason, because logic and reason has no energy behind it. It's a very passive energy. So it's like if you are in an intense state of grief and somebody says, well, you just need to get over it. That is the stupidest thing you can ever say. The most comforting thing that you can say, what my experience was in in intense grief, was just nothing, was to just be there in a solid state of being present. But in hate, the push is so strong and so uncomfortable because grief is pain pushed inward on themselves Hate, blame, anger, rage, fury is energy pushed out. And it's extremely difficult to be in the presence of that and not want to run away, not just shut down and give up or push back and say, F you, I'm not putting up with this. And, you know, I say this in every situation is different. But as I was listening to, you know, more fabulous news out in the world, The divisiveness of hate and who is right and picking sides is escalating. And so, you know, I started to have that conversation like, what do you do? Because, you know, a lot of that hate is being racially driven. And, uh, you know, depending on what color you are or what country you come from or what religion you've chosen, you are becoming a target, not as an individual and a person, but, but what your external form represents. And then, you know, God help you if you're in a public situation where there's, it's more than one-on-one. How do we ch- change that? How do we resolve that? And I don't have any good answers for it because, you know, one-on-one, you're, you can deal with that energy, two or more the collective energy becomes very um, exponential. And that's where you get that crazy uh, mentality where there's just rage takes over big groups and they start to act insanely. And what we're moving into is more and more hate, more and more divisiveness. And, you know, if you look at a prison, there's intense hate among the different groups And they're confined, and so they can't run away. And the only way to survive in prison is to choose a group to align with, whether you agree with them or not. You don't even have to hate the other person. But if you don't participate in the group, you don't survive. And so the culture becomes one of push back, push, 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 push to survive. And when you're not a push person, it's really, really scary because this intense pushing 
is overwhelming. I'm listening, you know, to these crazy people talking about how righteous they are and kill and go after and blame, right? And right now, you know, white males are the ones everybody wants to yell at. And traditionally, you know, white males were the oppressors. I'm not saying you guys individually, but through historic historically, you know, white males, colonialism, you know, we were the white males were the oppressors. And now, you know, that's flipping. And it's not about a right or wrong, but seeking to understand there's not a lot individually we can do at the collective level if you come face to face with it. You know, at this point, the best thing you can do is to get out of the way and not be in front of it. But at the internal level, the higher level, the energetic level, the ether level, until we seek to understand versus needing to be right, none of this will ever resolve. And the most powerful reason we need to be right and not to understand is because that's how we feel safe. Fear is, I don't feel safe, right? If you, uh, if I'm afraid you're going to hurt me because of your color, because of your religion or whatever, I will hate you because that's the only way I can stay safe. And, you know, lots of truth to that. I, you know, one of the things they don't talk about with Muhammad as a prophet, uh, he started off as a man of peace and he only got like 75 converts and it wasn't working. He couldn't get followers, so he switched tactics and became basically a warlord and would go into t communities, towns, I'm not sure what they were called, tribes, uh, take, kill everybody, and it was convert or die. So there was no choice, you know, follow me as a man of peace. It was choose to follow me or you will die. Well, that's one way to convert. That's one way the push takes over and then it gets to a certain point and it becomes almost impossible to push back. You know, anybody who's had kids, you know, around two years old developmentally, it was, who knows now, that's when they learn to say no, no. Apparently I was very good at that. Nope, nope, nope. Still say nope. But as a parent, if you don't manage that period about the no in terms of negotiating the boundary and the authority. So when kids or parents just give in to their two-year-olds, no, pacify, guilty with the dogs, right? Because it's really hard to be 100%, you know, on target with all this. That kid never learns no. And then they go out into the world and they become a mess because there's no ability to understand what the word no means. There's no boundary. There's no limitation. And so they just have these screaming temper tantrums as, you know, 20-year-olds. And we look and we call them snowflakes, but, you know, and inappropriate. But what really happened is their parents didn't teach them about no. The parent couldn't deal with the two-year-old's push and the parent didn't want to push back or they were too tired or distracted or overwhelmed and that two-year-old became a 16-year-old that pushed and then in the you know you can't do anything in the school and school is not a substitute for parenting but now everything's illegal and I'll get you hauled off right and so that two-year-old becomes a nightmare at 16 raging hormones and then still left unchecked goes out into the world and is just a mess is unproductive as a citizen, cannot function, uh, and believes entitlement. I'm right and everybody else is wrong. So 
the point of all this, before I go on too much longer, is this intense hate that's happening, this anger, is really fear. But you can't, at this moment in time, we can't really address it at the fear level because that's too... Uh, we can seek to understand the fear level, but, you know, I started having this conversation in my head about how do we deal with this intense, insane hate? And, you know, when I say that the best way to take the wind out of somebody's hateful sails is to just agree with them. Uh, the only other option, I think, at this point is if you put it in, if you contain it, it will eventually run out of fuel. So if you took the prisons and you divided them into a black, white, brown, yellow prison system, right? So the color, our racial identities were physically separated from their enemies. Uh, at first, you know, they would turn on each other in hierarchy, but eventually you know, it, it would run out of fuel if you stopped, uh, allow, you know, the, when you start removing the hate, you know, if you, if you, people who are intensely hateful, push people, they will just attack, 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 attack. But when there's nothing left to attack, then they're out of fuel. It's like a fire. When you take, put a fire and you contain it, take the oxygen away and the fire puts itself out. If you take an addict uh, and you take away all the people who enable the addict, right? I mean, anybody who's been involved long-term with someone who's addicted knows they just go from person to person to person to manipulate and get what they want because they're always the victim. It's, you know, everybody else's fault. It's never their fault. Uh, and just take money, take stuff, steal, lie, manipulate. But they keep moving from person to person in person. And the only time that they really can turn around, the best thing you can do is to just take away all the people that are enabling. And there's nowhere left to go. And that's really what hate is. As long as there's fuel for hate, as long as there's an, the other to keep focused on, as long as there's two or more, we hear about that in the Bible as a uh, energetic power. Well, it works the negative as the way as it does is positive, right? If you are one person and you're super hateful and you never come in contact with anybody, then you're not much of a threat. If you're two people who combine and decide to start a campaign of hate, then it grows and grows and grows. Uh, there's a funny video, it's like how to start a movement, and it's some kind of concert in a park, and everybody's sitting around uh, and, you know, kind of just listening to the music, and one guy gets up, and he starts dancing, and he's dancing alone for a long time, and he looks silly and, and goofy, I think he's got his shirt off, and he's not dancing in a good way, it's kind of a goofy way, but at some point, I don't know, two to five minutes later, a second person joins him. Then the two of them start dancing. And then it's like a switch gets flipped. All these other people start getting up and dancing. You know, they talk about the hundredth monkey, and that's it's actually two or more, right? It just takes one person to join with a second person. And that's what makes the energetic ball roll. If there's two people and one is hateful and one is loving, 
the only way that you will convert one or the other is somebody's got to give. When we're in the situation now where the world is being pushed and manipulated into hating, you can't fight that with logic and reason. You can't end it with legal political solutions. And you can't resolve it with war and violence. And that's a really scary position for those of us who are sitting around thinking, I don't want to, I just want to live, right? I don't want to participate in this. Uh, You know, I don't want to be at the effect of this insanity. But it's the same thing that I keep talking about is we did not address it when we were two years old. We have allowed it to push forward. And now the hate is in our political system. It's in our collegiate and our school system. It's everywhere. It's become monolithic. I mean, it's just everywhere. And it's fueling itself by bringing in uh, more people And all these people who are opining and pushing against it with their need to be right is more fuel. Now, I don't have the answer. I just wanted to share this idea because we talk about, well, what can I do? Uh, And I think at this point, the most powerful thing we can do from the collective ether is to remove the hate within ourselves, right? If you don't match it, It has no fuel. It has no energy. If you're not pushing against the hate by needing to be right, I'm not saying you're agreeing with the other person or the energy or the idea, but when you're not matching that with your own pushback of righteousness, that righteousness is fuel because it doesn't matter which side of the, the, the divide you're on, both are equally passionate and intense about their version is right. And everybody is screaming about who is right and who is wrong. And both sides, regardless of what those two sides are, are 100% convinced by their intensity that their side is right. And those two push energies, just think about it. When you're super mad at somebody and they're super mad at you, it will never resolve itself. And so we have to make that decision at some point spiritually. And this is a maturity, emotional maturity. Do you need to be right? Or do you need to seek to understand? Because the reality is being right is just about your perception. It's never about what's real. You know, we had that with slavery. You know, people who had slaves believed they were right. People who were slaves believed they should be free. And both sides believed their side was the right side. And, you know, it was, you will never resolve it with agreeing that one side is right. Because the issue wasn't about slavery. The issue was about making money. The issue was about uh, the ability to earn a living, you know, what people never talk about is the reason that black people were slaves in America 
was because of what went on in Africa. Everybody enslaved everybody. All around the world, everybody has practiced enslavement, uh, slavery in some way, shape, or form. So, in fact, we have more slaves, I think, in the world now than we ever have in, in our history. So, you know, we think about it in America as a black and white issue. Is not. It's an energy issue. It's, uh, I hate you as a justification of being right so that I can use you to make money so I can be safe in the world. Now, that's very reductionist, and you, you know, people will get upset about that. But the reality is, is, is it's push, right? I am pushing against you and making you submit so that I can make money, so that I can take care of my family, so I can have status, so I can have power, so I can be safe and comfortable. So what I really hope you can just, for a moment, right, take away right now is you're listening to all the intense hate. It's never resolved by being bulldozed. If somebody hates me or I hate somebody, they will, I will never feel connected, love, or anything for that person if they are bulldozing me with their push. But that does not mean I am to be a doormat. It does not mean I'm supposed to just put my body in the way so you can run over me. Uh, This is the concept of accountability. But accountability without hate. Justice without hate, rage, and fury. And that's, you know, another discussion. So for right now, the only thing I want us to take away from this today, it's so important and it's so simplistic. That's why people won't, we don't connect to it because it feels our little life doesn't have anything to do with what's going on out in the world, but it absolutely does. We are all putting energy into the collective soup of the ethers. And right now, the hate, the vitriol, the rage, the fury it's all push energy. And like you, I just, I don't want to listen to it. I turn it off, make it go away. But as I was listening just a little bit, I was trying to feel, what do we, what do we do with this? And if it's not one-on-one, we can't do anything face-to-face. But what we can do is understand what it is and not contribute to the fire. So if you think about what's happening as this rage and fury and flames, what puts out a flame when you can't, you know, like run in with a whole fire department and extinguish it, right? Lack of fuel. The forest is gone. The oxygen is gone. There's nothing left to burn. It just caves in on itself and it puts itself out. But it's extremely difficult to step back and watch that happen. And I don't have an answer. I'm just trying to understand this as an energetic level. But when we continue to try to use logic and reason or righteousness to end the rage and hate, it never works. It doesn't work one-on-one. That's why people get divorced. It doesn't work in prison. That's why people keep killing each other. And it doesn't work at the country level. You can never stop hate with push energy. And so uh, I just want to plant that as a seed because uh, what's happening to us collectively 
isn't what any of us want individually, but we are being swept away in this process. And it's intense. And, you know, it's getting scary because depending on what color you are or what your job is or what your religion is, you know, we're becoming a target based on not who we are, but who we are uh, being judged as by an external appearance. It's a good time to be old and invisible, right? Unless you are a white male. I mean, you guys are like the number one target right now. And that's really scary because everybody who listens to me is just a good guy, a good woman. We are good people. You wouldn't be here if you were scary because you really wouldn't want to hear about anything about responsibility, right? But we are being swept into this energy that is really overwhelmingly scary. But the most important thing to remember, especially when there's two or more, unless you're super skilled at protecting yourself, but you know, the movie fantasy of one guy taking on, you know, 10 attackers is an illusion. So you know, when we're met with massive hate, when two or more are gathered, there isn't really a lot we can do except to just try to get out of the way and not be in that situation because the push takes on a life of its own. The push becomes kind of a mass psychosis, what they've been talking about. It feeds itself like a fire and the only way it's going to get put out is when it has lack of fuel. And yeah, you can put a fire out by fighting it and by dousing it with uh, water. But if you transfer that imagery to a human situation, you can stop a fight or a mass event by physically restraining it, but it still the embers will still be there. The only way to put out the end of the fire is to let it burn itself out. And I don't know if that's right or wrong, but that's just sort of what I've been playing with this morning. So energetically, we don't have to contribute to the hate. Uh, we can seek to understand. We cannot participate into the ethers with our push at righteousness. Uh, and that goes against a lot of people's religion. It goes a lot of against people's uh, identity. But we have to make a decision about which what we really want. And we will never end hate with violence, with hate, or with submission. Right? There's no, you cannot be enough of a doormat to end hate. In fact, if anything, that just sort of triggers more violence. The more submissive you are at somebody who's hateful, the more they want to hurt you. And there's a reason for that, but we won't talk about it here. I just want you to think about that. All this push, push, push of hate, hate, hate can never stop when we push back at it. There's no overwhelming pushback force that will end the hate. It may stop it in the moment, but it won't end it. And I think when we can move into that kind of understanding, you know, then we can talk about why, how do we ever have peace? How do we ever uh, put in justice? Uh, you know, those are the bigger adult 
versions of this. But right now we're in like a bunch of two-year-olds who've never had a boundary set and are just in full temper tantrum mode. And the grown-ups are sitting around going, what? When? How, what? And so, you know, I used to tell the the parents who would call in, you know, two weeks before their 18th birthday of their kid, like, my kid's out of control. I was working a psychiatric line and we had hospitals and they're like, my kid's out of control. Can you take him? And, you know, it's like your kid is eight, you know, 17 weeks, 17 years and 50 weeks, you know, two weeks in a psych hospital isn't going to fix everything that's happened up until that point of time. And that parent missed the boat, because the big processes happen developmentally very, very young. And it's extremely difficult to fix that later on. And we're in that same situation. We did not hold the boundary when people, you know, the energy was two years old. Now it's like a raging, you know, 30-year-old. It's never been told no. And it's like, what do you do? So there's nothing simple about all of this. This is a very complex energetic issue but we're all part of it so hate is intense push and you can never stop push permanently with more push with you cannot submit hate and have peace it just festers like ongoing embers so I just wanted to plant that seed because if we don't start having this conversation and all we do is stop at being right and how do I control you so that I can be safe and comfortable then the world will never have peace and I don't think that we ever will, but I do believe that individually we are capable of understanding this as a process and mastering it within ourselves personally. And it's that, you know, grain of sand. You know, if you if you spilled, a, I just bought rice for the dog. So if you spilled the two pounds of rice, which would be a nightmare, right? It, you can clean up some of it, but eventually you have to pick up each grain and put it back in the bag. Uh, it's extremely tedious, but it's if you don't get every single grain picked up and back in the bag, you don't have, you haven't finished. And so every single one of us is important. Every single one of us. It's that parable with Jesus and the, 90, you know, the 100 sheep. Every sheep counts. Even if one runs away and gets lost, all of us count. So just think about when you're listening to all the vitriol, if you are or not, or individually within your family, what do you do with that intense hate, which is push energy? One-on-one, -on -one, you can just agree with it. You know, you're absolutely right. I just did that the other day with somebody. I didn't believe they were right. But I had zero interest in fighting and pushing back because it wasn't necessary to accomplish anything. Like, you're absolutely right. I should not have said that. And then it's gone. Like, what do you do? There's nowhere to go. When you agree with the person who's pushing at you, there's nowhere left to go. All right. So on a personal level, just as a little update, I did, I've been move mode like every day. So I did try a little bit longer in Lake Havasu and am now... Uh, outside and a little higher up so it's not quite as hot 
uh, with an interesting view. So hopefully I'll get some pictures up for you and a little more travel log stuff in a, in a post coming up. But I've been, you know, packing, moving, packing, moving, which kind of puts me out, pooped out for the day. So just as a short update, again, if you're new and you're even here, sorry, I know these are intense. I don't know what to do. There's so much intensity happening out in the world. It's hard to not focus on that and be frivolous and superficial, not my forte. So deep breath, my friends. I'm so glad that you are here and I appreciate you considering these ideas because this is how we create change. We do not create change by winning and going back to sleep. That is an illusion. So deep breath, my friends, and I will see you next time.